I've been told more than enough times from small business owners, I don't want the landlord to know how much money I have and how much money I make because then they're going to charge me more in rent. And mm -hmm. I say, no, that's not how this works. That's not how this works at all. Sure. Think about it from the sake, from, from the perspective of, of if you were to get a loan from a bank, you would want the bank to think that you're low risk, high credit, and you've got, you don't need the loan. Sure. Right. That's what you want the bank to think. A landlord's no different. Now, theoretically, they're not giving you a loan, but they are taking a risk and a long-term risk. They're yeah. not selling you something. They're leasing something to you. Mm -hmm. So you need to show them very good credit and you need to show them that you have a great business and you make lots and lots and lots of money. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, that will help you get a better deal. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices and strategies while we enjoy our cup of coffee. Today's guest is Daryl Policiano. And he's a ball of energy. We're going to be talking about retail real estate, how you go about finding space, why it's relevant, how the whole process kind of works, and what does the future of retail look like? It's all the topics we're going to be discussing today. But before we get into that, I do want to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. This is a absolute free podcast that you can download and share with others. If this is a topic that may be of interest to other people that you know, make sure you share it with them. But subscribe because we do have a brand new episode that comes out every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. And we want you to be a part of it. So make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on right now, or you can see the video version on YouTube and Facebook by simply searching for LockDoc Security and sit, clicking the subscribe or follow button. You can do that there, or you can find out all the information you want to know, as well as more information about the guest on our website, lockdoc.net slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Grab a cup of coffee and get ready for this conversation. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. Oh, yeah. Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully your coffee is okay. Spectacular. Yeah, we, we just roasted it a few minutes ago. Well, I saw you grind it, uh, and uh, I mean, make it. I was impressed. It's fresh. So uh, thanks for being here today. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, real estate as it pertains to retail and, and maybe whatever other information that we can uh, pine out of you. But before we get into that, it is imperative that we handle rapid fire, five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin with unknown point values. And we'll Go give you a it. score at the end. Are you ready? Yeah. Question number one, what is something that will instantly annoy you? Uh, <laughs> uh, clutter. And uh, when I walk into a, a room and there's a mess, uh, I it, it gets me pretty charged up. Really? And that's changed over time because when I was in college, I lived in absolute filth like most of us. Uh, but now I get a little old and falling behind the kids and the family and cleaning up is just drives me nuts. Just drives you nuts. It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we can have a therapy session. Yeah, we can. We can. Uh, is that not what this is? I yeah, thought this was therapy. Exactly. Darn. Question number two. If you had an extra hour uh, in your day that would be allocated to one specific purpose, how would you use it? Oh, man. There's so many options. Um, an hour each day. And you had to predetermine what it's going to be used for. It's funny you say that because my business partner says I need a hobby. So I think, and I haven't answered that question yet. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like a yard work guy and, and project guy. So I probably would 
take up a new project, get started, spend an hour a day for a week, and then never finish it and move on to the next one. There you go. Is that about right? I like this guy. <laughs> I like this guy. I, I I had a conversation with somebody uh, near the end of last year, and they said, Chad, what, what hobbies do you have? And I was, I was like, I kind of took a little offense to it. I was yeah. like, I don't even I don't. I don't think I have one. This is this is bad. Well, unless you're getting paid a lot for this, I assume this is probably a pretty good hobby. I guess I could. You be call what you want, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number three: What is something that really happened to you, but nobody would believe it unless they were there? Oh, uh, I tell this story, and nobody believes it. So I'll tell it now to to you and your audience. Um, when I was a kid, my my aunt and uncle's friend uh, lived in a small house in the woods and they fed the bears. And when I was you know, eight years old, we'd go to her house and there'd be 10, 15 bear in her backyard and we'd be throwing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at them out of the back window. And it was hard to believe even now, you know, I, I lived it and it's pretty wild. It was a lot of fun. Just feed the bears. She literally fed the bear. And the reason we knew about it was because there was a mutual friend who was a, a park ranger and they knew about her. And they loved her because they could tag all the bear and study all the bear from her backyard. And I don't think it ever told anybody they were cheating. But uh, that was 30, 40 years ago. So maybe uh, wow. maybe no one will get in trouble for that now. But yeah, it was cool, man. Just sat in a lady's kitchen and fed the bear. It seems like it has potential dangerous uh, outcome. We pulled up. And again, I'm eight years old, so I'm afraid of nothing. My parents were a little more level-headed. I'll never forget. We pulled up. And there was a bear in the driveway and this lady, this old lady, you know, probably 70 years old, comes out with a broom and starts yelling and screaming and banging on the, you know, on the, on the, pa on the pavement, go away, go away. And the bear scurried off into the, into the yard and into the woods. And we pulled up and ran into her house and closed the door behind us. Give you a little path to get in. She just gave us a little path to get in. Wow. Yeah. Question number four, what's your story about breaking the law? Breaking the law, man. So <laughs> I had a I had a girlfriend in middle school and she was a little wild child. She's still a Facebook friend of mine and she's she's not wild anymore, but uh <laughs> she uh we went to the grocery store and 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 she stole some uh, cookie dough. Oh. And it was like sixth grade, right? And I thought I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like, she comes out, she's like, what I stole. And I was like, what that? You stole cookie dough? It was good. It was good cookie dough. <laughs> it's the best cookie dough I ever had. Kind of a d d dumb law breaking. That, that's the innocent one I can say, admittedly. You know, right, yeah, we'll, I can we'll, say the bad ones. We'll keep it at that. <laughs> question number five, last question. If, you, if each person had a warning label, what would your warning label say? Oh, man. What would my warning label say? Um, seems to me... Uh, <laughs> I, I can have a, a short temper. Nah, that's not the way to say it. I can, uh, I'm a, I'm a generally small guy in stature, but I have a big mouth and I'm quite loud. Uh, and, and my kids will tell you that sometimes my language is colorful. So the warning label is, you know, uh, R rated, uh, you know, for language, but other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty safe guy. I'm not going to hurt you. All right. Well, we like it. Well, that was an entertaining rapid fire. We'll give you a score of 892. 892. That's a good number. Yeah. We like it. Daryl, you are a, uh, a real estate broker specializing in re retail. That's right. Okay. 
for anybody that's listening to this or or watching this that goes, what exactly does that mean? So I, I, I love this part of conversation with people because I sit down with people a lot and they have these really long, complicated titles. And then I ask, well, so what is it that you do? So what, what is, what do you do on a daily basis? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. Um, and you know, first of all, um, I do commercial real estate, uh, exclusively. I don't do any residential. Um, matter of fact, I hire brokers to buy or sell houses. Um, so, uh, it's only commercial and, and in our world, you know, many of us, especially in larger cities like Charlotte, uh, typically specialize in one product type mm -hmm. or the other. So I specialize in retail real estate. I've been doing it almost 20 years next year. Next year will be my 20th year. Uh, and, and primarily, uh, folks who own real estate mm -hmm. or uh, intend to buy real estate or want to develop real estate with a retail component or an entertainment component or a restaurant component, any component that has a, a you know, a public interaction, um, they come to me and say, hey, what do you think about this property? Can you help me find retailers, restaurants, entertainment users to 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 lease space from us or, or buy land from us and build? Um, so that, in a nutshell, is what I do. So I'm, I'm connecting the real estate and I'm working for those owners, mm -hmm. for those property owners. And I'm, and I'm calling on folks like Chipotle and Starbucks, gotcha. you know, the breweries, um, you know, Costco and Publix and, you know, everybody in between and saying, hey, you want to open a new store in, in Charlotte or in Charleston or in Raleigh or what have you. Gotcha. So you're, you're bringing the, the tenants into the uh, the the properties and trying to make sure that this is a, a good environment. So I, I I've always found that part of it kind of interesting because at a point you you're almost like a matchmaker and also kind of helping to curate a vibe for a particular sh uh, shopping center. Yeah, you know, listen, the vibe is is super important. We we call it a merchandising mix um, is a pretty common term in 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 the retail world, and it's you know. Oftentimes, we'll get calls from 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 business owners that want to uh, join a shopping center and 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 think it's only well, what's what's the price, mm -hmm. and uh, you know what are the terms, and 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 that's not usually the first conversation we have. Sure. The first conversation we have is, well, what sort of business are you looking to open? Mm -hmm. well, well, why do you care? Well, because we're trying to create a vibe. So the merchandising mix is 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 super important. And you know, take it a step back. If 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 I'm speaking to an owner who owns a shopping center and maybe it needs a facelift and mm -hmm. some of the tenants aren't doing great and are just trying to, you know, reposition this property. Uh, the, the, the most important thing and, and one of the most complicated and, and frankly, the funnest part of that is creating that merchandising mix. What mm -hmm. does this property want to be? Sure. Hey, Mr. Landlord. Hey, Mr. Owner, what are your visions? Here's my visions. Let's, let's come up with a, a mix, a merchandising mix and let's, and let's focus on the user's and the different types of businesses before we start focusing on the economics of the thing. Well, I mean, it, to me, and maybe this is just a really broad uh, comparison, but you know, a lot of times we talk in, in organizations about the, the culture of an organization. And so you tend to attract a certain type of employee and it attract a certain type of uh, customer base. And it seems that what what I hear you say in that market mix or that vibe is effectively, hey, so if we have this property and we want to bring tenants in, we also can curate kind of an ideal customer or ideal that's demographic right. that's going to be supporting this. So in that case, we want to keep those things consistent. And I'm trying to think of a, 
of a, a bad mix and I can't, nothing comes to my head right now, but I'm sure that there are those out there where you go, this is weird. There's a, a Chipotle, cause you mentioned that. And also a, uh, you know, some other random store that just like the same person isn't going to go to both of those. That's right. So you're, I'm, I'm guessing that's kind of what you're trying to do is get people to that shopping center and keep them there based off of the variety. That's a hundred percent right. That's a hundred percent right. And, and if you, uh, jumping off points from, from there is, you know, sometimes, uh, especially in a, in a, in a redevelopment or a repositioning or a ground up new construction, sometimes you, you know who your key, uh, who the key customers that you want. And there's a, you know, a, a one really cool concept that you need to, to attract to your project, uh, in order to get that customer. So in other words, you know, you've, you've got a, a, you've got a center that's that's a little bit dusty and has had a weird sort of lineup of tenants and it just doesn't make any sense you're like but i want i want a younger a younger group a hipper group somebody in their 30s with a little extra money uh what's the first thing we need to do well let's go get a brewery right nope. you know and, and I'm, I'm picking an easy one sure, right? yeah. because <laughs> so uh you know so now i'm gonna go out and get a brewery well the brewery says well i'm not going in that old shopping center that mm-hmm. that used to have a you know, it's got a vape shop and one of those, one of those gambling places and, you know, in a, in a, in a, you know, make it up, right? Sure. Well, you know, the dirty little secret in our business is, hey, Mr. Brewery, you know, we'll make it worth your while, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and so part of, and the hard part of it is, you know, that, that to get that first, what we would call maybe an anchor tenant or a key tenant, yeah. you know, so maybe we need to give away the farm. Let's get the brewery in there. Let's, let's, Let's pay him to come. Let's build him out. Let's give him free rent. Let's do whatever we need to do. And that creates the vibe. Because um, that's going to bring the, the clients there and then you can build and, your And your then I tenants. lease around them. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's what I say to clients often is, you know, hey, Daryl, what do you think about this particular tenant? They're going to pay me a lot of rent. Well, that's great. They're going to pay a lot of rent. Uh, however, I can't lease off of them. I can't lease around them. So mm-hmm. as a standalone, sure, it's great to plug in that, that you know, uh, widget retailer because they're going to pay you a good rent, but they're not going to attract anybody else. Sure. And maybe that's okay. Yep. Um, but if you're really trying to create a vibe, uh, which is a big, big part of our business is creating a vibe. So you mentioned this before we started recording, but it, the the easiest way, and, and this is very localized, you know, we, we have folks that listen uh, from across the country. So, but for, for the Charlotte area, there's a, a, a particular shopping area um, then there's a mall located there, uh, South Park Mall. And they have, I've always found it very interesting how they have curated their vibe and have maintained it for so long. So it's high-end retail. They've got the Nordstrom's there. They've got their uh, Louis Vuitton's. Uh, you know, all of the high-end retail that's around that, and it's a nice environment. But there's also other shops that have populated around sure. it. So it's it's not just the draw of that mall, but also the surrounding areas. And then you can get in your car and drive 15, 20 minutes away, and it's completely different set That's of right. stores. How does one, once you create that type of environment, maintain it? Yeah, maintenance is difficult. And I think, first of all, is uh, just a, a quick note on specifically South Park. Um, it, it's a great example, right? Because Simon Properties that owns it is the largest mall owner in the, in the world, and, and they might be the largest retail owner in the world. Uh, I haven't checked the stats recently, but more than likely. Anyway, uh, and they're very, very good at doing that. Mm-hmm. Very, very good at doing that. Um, you know, the, the, the folks who do the leasing in that mall, whom I know pretty well, um, you know, that's a that's a big part of their business. And again, more so than 
you know, even I'm used to, you know, they're, they're doing, you know, really creative deals to attract the, the, sure. the big guys, um, and making, you know, and, and, and making decisions constantly and moving folks around. And you'd be amazed mm. at the difference between what, uh, someone might be paying in rent to be right, you know, by the food court, for instance, sure. versus, you know, over maybe on the, on the, um, I think it's the Dillard side over on the Arizona, maybe it's the Macy's side. Anyway, huge difference, sure. you know, so that merchandising mix is super important. Um, and, and, and I would never claim to, you know, know half of what the Simon folks know because there's, they're as good as it gets. They're the, the best in the biz, but the maintenance of it is, is, is very challenging. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you struggle with maintaining your existing tenants who have been loyal with you for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but you also know that the reality of a market, Charlotte's a, a, a growing, changing market. Um, and to remain competitive, you need to stay cutting edge, right? Sure. And breweries are hot right now and they, they've been for a while, but you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have any breweries because mm -hmm. they were illegal. Um, so it, it, it's, it's evolved and, and the shopping center of the property has to continue to evolve. So how do you manage, how do you balance the brand new cool concept God forbid you bring in some big corporate guy into a, a neighborhood, but you also need somebody that you can rely on to pay you the rent every month for when the local guy's kind of having a bad month. Uh, and then how do you keep the tenants who've been loyal to you for a long time that are starting to get a little bit dusty, a mm. little bit stodgy? Mm. How do you say, hey, can't wait to renew your lease? And I know a lot of the property managers and your asset managers that, that watch you know, we deal with this all the time, right? It's not always just about the rent to renew your lease. Hey man, I really need you to, yeah, maybe it's time for a renovation. Yeah. Restaurant's great, but you know, I, I'm not so sure the, you know, the, the fried chicken's working as much as you maybe need to, you know, add some, something healthier things on the menu. And how do you have that conversation without completely offending sure. a tenant who's been here for 15 or 20 years? Yeah. So it's, it's tricky. Um, and I would point to like a park road shopping center, you know, you've got a lot of people who are super stoked about what Eden's did and, 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 and I, I, I really commend them. I, I can only imagine the challenges that they had oh, trying shit. to maintain some of the, the longtime tenants who have been there for generations yeah. while at the same time lifting the rest of the property and the rest of the tenancy up to the level of where it needed to be. I think, I think the proof's in the pudding. If you go there and shop there right now, they did a, they did a heck of a job. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't easy and there's, I, I'm very confident there are people who are not super happy about it. And it's a tough balance. Well, I would imagine, and, and just for reference for what you're talking about, Park Road Shopping Center, and I feel like we've mentioned it on this uh, on this podcast before in, in a similar context. It was kind of the shopping center. Uh, and again, this is this one. It's not very far from South Park uh, for, as the crow flies, so to speak. It's, it's right around the corner. But it had become kind of like the the dying shopping center just what, within the last six or seven years, it was really just kind of dead and deserted. And now you go over there and because Eden's came in there and they just, they basically did a facelift on the place. You've got J crew in there. You've got Burton's, you've got Jenny's ice cream, uh, you know, all of these, uh, Amelie's, you've yep. got all of these other restaurants, these other tenants, they've really revitalized it. But in the same sense, you have your, some of your anchor in there, like Harris Teeter right. that did a renovation. A lot of those stores that really just had to bring that level up as well. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting concept that you interject in there is how do you bring the level up, not just, uh, run those 
old tenants off that have been there for a while, but bring them up to scale as well while keeping that vibe where you're wanting to bring it. Because it's a totally different place than it was before. It's, it is a totally different place. And, and I, and I have to, I have to, again, commend Edens for uh, exercising restraint. I mean, they, they were very creative, but they maintained the, the, the building. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges, you know, being a charlatan is we love tearing things down. <laughs> we love tearing things down. Sure. And there's no question in anyone's mind that the highest and best use of that property is not a community shopping center. Yeah. I mean, it should be vertical. It should be mixed use, all those good things. It's it's one heck of a location. Oh, yeah. Edens came in with uh, with a, a plan and with a desire to maintain it as the neighborhood center, mm-hmm. and and so they and they had a restraint. I mean, they kept as many local tenants as they could. They didn't tear anything down. Mm-hmm. I can't think they tore anything down. They activated some of those um, uh, kind of small buildings that used to be the you know the one hour photo booth mm-hmm. out in the parking lot and turned it into Jenny's ice cream, right? Yep. Uh, and then the donut place. Um, so, uh, that's, I mean, it's a case study and, and, and it, I, I, I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about the retail component yep. of it. And it pains me to watch things get, get torn down. I do love new construction as well, but I also hate to see things go. So, so that's, they, they did a nice job. According to a recent study, nearly 50% of burglaries and unauthorized entries happen through propped or unlocked doors. We want to help our community improve this statistic. At LockDock Security, our customers want locked and latched doors and openings to prevent theft, property damage, or even physical attacks. We are urging everyone not to wait for something to happen. You can be proactive today. Shifting the conversation maybe a yep. little bit, because I'm my mind is going like, this is tons of great information. There's really two factors that I want to kind of interject in here. But number one, if I'm a tenant, and we went through this process in our current facility. We, you know, we, we, uh, uh, moved in, like we were talking about earlier back in 2009, then we moved, expanded and then moved inside of the same business park. When we did our last expansion in 2019, we had a very in-depth conversation with the property owner at that time of what our plans were, what we were going to try to do. And it, it just clicked with me whenever we were talking just a few moments ago that they were inquiring, what is it that we were trying to accomplish? What was, what was our space going to look like? What were we trying to do? And I didn't realize at the time how much that played into the conversation of expansion because they didn't have to. Yeah. I think that there's a, maybe a misnomer based off. And I know, I know we're talking, uh, we're talking office, and flex space versus retail. But I think maybe uh, you can tell me uh, if I'm right or wrong on this, but I think there's a lot of correlation there. When you're bringing in a tenant, there is as much risk on both sides. So you're wanting to make sure that you're bringing in the quality. We took a substantial amount of space here. So uh, making sure that we were doing it in the right way and they weren't just uh, taking that opportunity away from a different tenant, I'm guessing. So summing that up into a question <laughs> is if I'm if you're a tenant and you're trying to get into a space mm-hmm. or into a property or you're looking to acquire space, what are the things that you need to be prepared for to present yourself as a viable tenant versus just expecting as long as I've got money, I'm going to get in here? So, you know, for anybody who's looking to lease space, that's that's the most important question. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, 
having been working on the landlord side for, you know, almost 20 years, I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly from that. And, uh, presenting yourself in the, in the best light, you, you made the comment, there's, uh, did you use the word risk? There's risk on both sides of the transaction and, and understanding that's a key element, right? So putting in a tenant typically in a commercial setting isn't just here's the key, have fun. Mm -hmm. It usually requires time, um, maybe even some legal dollars for a lease. And then of course, construction dollars, whether they're giving you an allowance or they're, or they're actually doing some renovations on, on your behalf. Um, and, and that takes a long time. So removing the risk or reducing the risk for the landlord is, is one of the things that's going to help you get a better deal. Mm -hmm. Selling yourself to the landlord and, and helping the landlord understand that, Hey, you want me. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, not only am I low risk, I'm actually good for you. I'm actually going to improve, um, you know, the tenant mix in, or your merchandising mix in your property. I'm going to attract more in, in presenting that in the best way. So what I, what I suggest to, especially for small businesses or or new businesses, have a business plan. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you don't have a traditional hard PDF business plan, um, you better have a good website that, that tells the story and tells it well, uh, one or the other, or preferably both have your financials ready. Listen, I understand that you don't want to share financials, but here's the trick. Uh, and, and, and we talk about this all the time. I've been told more than enough times from small business owners, I don't want the landlord to know how much money I have and how much money I make because then they're going to charge me more in rent. And Mm -hmm. I say, no, that's not how this works. That's not how this works at all. Sure. Think about it from the sake, from, from the perspective of, of if you were to get a loan from a bank, you would want the bank to think that you're low risk, high credit, and you've got, you don't need the loan. Sure. Right. That's what you want the bank to think. A landlord's no different. Now, theoretically, they're not giving you a loan, but they are taking a risk and a long-term risk. They're not selling you something. They're leasing something to you. Mm -hmm. So you need to show them very good credit and you need to show them that you have a great business and you make lots and lots and lots of money. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, That will help you get a better deal. Sure. Um, So again, it's business plan. If not business plan website, show who you are, what you are and, and, and and why you're good for their property and then be ready to, to, to submit your financials and, and professionally, you'd be shocked at what we've seen over the years. Um, And uh, it would be nice if, if an accountant actually did it, but if an accountant didn't do it, just download one off the internet, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 personal balance sheet or personal financial statement or a balance sheet and and fill it out. Yeah. I I think that that is something that when we started down the path of looking for space years ago, because, you know, for a large portion of uh, this business existence, it was just mobile only. We didn't have a physical location. So as we started down the process in 2009 to actually have office space, none none of the things that we're just talking about were anywhere close to our mind. So I'm, I'm just... I don't mean to draw a, a major conclusion, but I'm thinking that a lot of folks that are in the same process of looking for space or wanting to move into a, a place, unless they've had that experience before, don't know what they're supposed to be preparing themselves for. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, and it's it's an unfortunate mistake that, that I think folks run into often. Um, you're, you're trying to cut to the chase. You're trying to discuss rent. And, and, and again, I, I would say that rent is is – you know, it's, it's, it's a very important component, but it's not the most important component. You need to make sure that this is the right fit, the right marriage. You know, um, we're, we're committing to a five-year lease, a 10-year lease, 
uh, and uh, we need to make sure that that this is where you, where you need we need to make sure that we are both comfortable with one another. You're checking out my property. Do you want to commit to my property for five years? I'm checking you out. Do I want to commit to you for five years? And 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 it's a like any business transaction, you know, folks like to use the word partnership. Well, I'd like to review this as a partnership, not a landlord tenant. Well, I mean, maybe sure. Fine. I, I don't know if it's a partnership, but, but it's certainly a long-term business relationship. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, just like your, your clients that, that you've been working with for, for years, you know, you want to make sure that, that both of you are comfortable with one another. When you're so some so people are preparing themselves to look at space, they're going through that process, getting themselves uh, prepared. Also, what are the questions that they should be asking? And and I'm I'm going to get a little maybe um, uh, uh, selfish on this, but when a when a a tenant is coming in, how important is it to know that they that a uh, property or property management has a good selection of service providers for yeah. for that particular property that it's it's well maintained. Like, what are the questions that they should be asking, or the things they should be looking for as well? So, obviously, they want to present themselves in the best light. Hey, here's our great business idea, or here's our great established business, and we want to bring sure. value here. But also, from my my sake, hey, what are you doing to maintain this property? What's the long term plan for this? How do you maintain it? What is do, what service providers do you work with so that we know that this is something that we're going to be it's a good question. Out. It's a good question. Again, we're 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 courting each other, right? We're we're making sure we want to we want to have a five or ten year business relationship. And um, I think one of the things I recommend again, I, I, I'm always working for the landlord, but one of the things I recommend to tenants when I'm showing space to them and they start asking me a lot of the 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 the, the more subjective questions, right? Um, um, well, you know what. Tell me about your maintenance. Do you guys, you know, sweep the floors and do you have a, sure. you know, do you have a porter here? And you say, you know what, why don't you go talk to the guy next door and ask him? And, you know, obviously for me, I want to make sure that the guy next door is going to have something good to say. And if he doesn't have something good to say, then I'm going to have to talk to my property manager and say, Hey, we got some problems. Sure. Uh, fortunately for me, I've, I've got a good, a good portfolio and, and great property managers, but, but that's the number one thing. I mean, it just asks the other tenants. Now, listen, you're always going to find a tenant who's pissed off because his HVAC is broken. Sure. Well, if the HVAC is broken, but there's an HVAC truck out front, I mean, fair enough. I mean, that's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, what, what, th- things break, but how long has it been right. broken and is it being repaired? You know, so listen, I think I think if you're a, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a small business owner, you're probably a pretty good judge of character. So when you're when you're interviewing or having an off the cuff conversation with some of these other tenants, or maybe you don't want anybody to know you're looking at that space. Fair enough. Find out who the management company is and find out other properties that they manage. Find out who the owner is and find out other properties that they own and just go knock on their door. Um you know, these are all businesses. It's not like you're knocking on somebody's house. People are willing to speak to you. Uh, I think it's the best thing. Yeah. I think it's the easiest thing. I think it's a great advice. And again, I, you know, thinking back years ago, I'm like, man, these are some things that we just didn't think about. I, I believe we've been very fortunate in our situation, so I don't have any complaints on it. But as those are some major steps that we didn't even think about when we were looking for space uh, is talking to other tenants That's and right. understanding what that process looks like. Other question for you when it relates to either anchor tenants or bringing in kind of a new vibe. 
how do you manage or is is there a fear, and, and maybe that's just a leading question, of the fads? So you talked about uh, multiple times like the breweries. Those are the hot things right now. And yeah, the uh, axe throwing has been a big thing here recently. So, you know, things like that. How do you start to look at those things and say, well, this is actually going to be here for a while or we're okay with taking this as a kind of a two, three year yeah. hope that it works type thing. Sure. No, that's, that's, uh, that's an important, uh, it's an important factor that we try to, uh, identify day one when we're talking to a client, whether it be a new client or a new property, or let's just call it a new project or a new assignment is, Hey, Hey, Mr. Landlord, what, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? And the, and the answer, uh, ranges from, you know, everything from property has been in my family for 150 years. I want it to be in a family for another 150 years. And I want to be proud every time I drive by and say, they're doing great things to my property. And, and that, and that's, that's a thing. That's, that's a very real thing. Uh, and we do deal with that. Uh, it might be, Hey man, I'm just a developer. I'm what we call a merchant developer. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to build a building and I'm going to sell it for as much as I can, uh, take my cash off the table and go build another one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, so, so this is not emotional. This is just numbers. Fair sure. enough. Sure. I get you. Um, and then, you know, what, what do you, are you, are you trying to reposition a property? Um, and, uh, is it, is it, uh, is it a little early? So we talked a little bit earlier about South end of Charlotte, which is, you know, that just a super hot, very dynamic submarket right outside of downtown. And, and, and you'll, you'll have owners that have owned these properties for a long time and they think in a generation or maybe they're in their seventies. So a generation is right around the corner. It will be something different. It'll be big. I've got this old warehouse building that you know, my grandfather started his business in, uh, you know, I'm going to pass this on to my kids, but, or grandkids, but I don't want to commit to long-term. What can we stick in that warehouse? That's gotcha. really cool for five years, but five years from now, we're going to sell it to some developer out of DC or New York, or maybe here in Charlotte. Mm. And they're going to pay us some obscene $25 million number and they're going to tear wow. it down and build something. Um, for someone like me, whose job it is to fill the space right now or when you're ready, I need to know that up front because the first thing I'm going to do when I see your warehouse in South End is I'm going to say, hey, I've got this guy from New York who'll pay $25 million. Why don't you go buy an island somewhere? <laughs> sure. But if I'm speaking to an 80-year-old woman who's talking about her grandkids, she's not moving to an island anytime soon. She's cool. Yeah. You know, so you need to understand what are your goals. Gotcha. Um, and that could be the tenancy, how much income. You know, you hear, we, we call them unicorns, right? So you hear about so-and-so got such a great deal. Mm -hmm. And you're like, look, I get it. There are deals out there. No, no one's denying that somebody's paying some, you know, single digit rent in South End today or, 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 or even in South Park. Let's just yeah. I'm sure there's a deal. I'm sure somebody's got a great deal in South End. Why is, you know, yeah. talk about Burger King at Fairview and, and Sharon Road, right? Why the hell is there Burger King? There shouldn't there be a tower there by now. Um, but, but in reality, that's not the market. Yep. You know, there's the outsider that has a unique situation, like you just said. Mm -hmm. And they said, I'll give you a cheap rent, but you can only stay for a year. Okay, great. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, and understanding that from the get-go. And sometimes my clients don't know the answer. Yeah. Uh, and so sometimes I got to throw a few things at them. And they're like, I don't like that. Well, why do you like that? I'm not really sure why I don't like that. Uh, throw them the next one. I don't like that. But here's why I don't like that one. And so sometimes it's a little bit of a, we're trying to figure it out together. We just don't know. Yeah. 
I th- that is one of the big factors with um, with using a broker or connecting up with a broker because I think when you do it as a as an individual, you're you're trying to run a business and all this other stuff, and now you start looking around for you know leasing deals and leasing rates and all that stuff. And as you state, it's very subjective. It's what are you trying to accomplish? Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to do? Right. The rates are variable at that point. You're just trying to figure out what's going to work. So you've got to work with a, a broker because they understand. Okay, they're going to come in and do the same thing. So what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Where are you trying to go in the next couple of years? What do you need to allot for for expansion? All of those things. Well, maybe we just need to get you in a place for the next two and a half years. Right. So let's let's figure that out. So working with with a broker on that side is is uh, well is is a good practice as well. So the the other component of all that is understanding, I guess, from a service provider standpoint, how is it best because I. Like where my mind is going in some of this, and and maybe this, I don't know, maybe this is an off the wall question, but you're working with tenants, bringing tenants into a space. You're working with the landlord, connecting all those people together. As a service provider, how does a service provider make themselves a, I know that typically lands on the property management side, but how do they make themselves appealing to service those properties and those tenants? Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, someday I'll figure that out. Um, I, I look forward to, I look forward to learning the answer. I mean, it, you know, ho- hopefully I learned one or two things cause I've lasted, a, you know, like I said, almost, almost two decades. So uh, listen, I think, I think, let me answer it from, from the other perspective. Let me, okay. let me tell you what we can't be. Okay. You know, if, if you're trying to truly be a broker and be a service provider, um, and, and do right by your clients. You need to, you need to go in from a service mentality. Um, you know, it's, it, my perspective, the portfolio that I work on with my partner, Matt, um, we are an extension of our clients. Right. Uh, and, and that's part of the conversation we have with them is, you know, we're, we're here for you. We're working for you. Uh, and, and we are subservient to you. We are serving you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all brokers, uh, whether it be in, 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 in our business or, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street for crying out loud, you know, not, not everybody, not every broker out there in any specific brokerage industry considers themselves a service provider. Mm. Some people are just trying to squeeze out as many dollars out of every deal as humanly possible and, 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 and make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there's room for that. So be it. I mean, I, you know, I can think of plenty of folks that I've transacted with and they just really don't care about their client. They're going to deal gets done. Everyone's happy. Fair enough. I don't care. Here's your check. All good. Yeah. Um, but, but my goal is to have a long-term relationship with a few key clients um, and continue to serve them and do whatever it is they need. So it's not about making the most of money on each individual deal. It's about stretching the relationship and growing the relationship as, as long as possible. And, and, you know, we could talk for hours and hours as to what that entails, but it's that mentality. Don't be what we like to call the cowboy broker. The guy who's just out there just, you know, firing away and hoping to hit something. That's not the type of brokerage I'm doing. That's not, I would argue, necessarily a service-oriented brokerage. That's putting two people together, never talk to them again, take your check and run away uh, to the next deal. Our, our structure is very different. At LockDock Security, we know that managing access to your facility can be challenging and time-consuming. From making sure new hires have access from day one to setting time restrictions for on-site vendors, 
LockDock Security offers a wide range of solutions to help you manage any size facility. Take full control of your buildings, grant and revoke access quickly and easily, guaranteeing your facility's safety inside and out. LockDock Security, your access management solution. Uh, kind of to, to wrap a bow on this, if somebody is in this spot where they're like, hey, I would like to, I've either got property that I'm trying to uh, to get out there or I am looking for property yeah. and they say, hey, this guy sounds like he knows what he's doing. I'd sure. like to work with him. What's, wh- what is the typical introduction like that, uh, introduction look like? Uh, so is, are you, are you asking, um, what, what's that first conversation feel like, or how does the introduction take place or. Yeah. How do, how, how would somebody come approach you and say, I'm, I'm looking for property. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, well, first of all, let me, let me, let me take a a small step back. If, if you're, if you're looking to, to lease or buy, uh, just, just know if you don't already know it, just like a residential realtor, you're not going to pay that broker's commission. So it's not going to cost you anything to hire this guy or gal. Um, they will get paid by the landlord. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, so, so the first, the first question I I, I would, would, you know, you're asking around, you find out who's, who's used brokers. You sit down with a broker. Uh, You know, I, I think it's, asking them how well they understand the market, let them give you a little bit, you know, some of us specialize in product type. Mm-hmm. I specialize in retail and I do North and South Carolina. I have a very big market, but I only do retail. Uh, and some people specialize in, you know, one block in downtown Charlotte and do everything in that block. And you need to make that decision. You want to, somebody who's, if you know exactly where you want to be, uh, ask around, look at the signs, see who's, who's doing brokerage in those markets, sit down, talk to them, find out the, their knowledge of the market. Um, references, references, references. Mm-hmm. Um, who have you placed recently? Um, I think the third party, just like you asked, you know, before you sign a lease in a, in a, in a, in a property, how do you know that they're maintaining these properties? How do you know to ask, ask the people that don't have any skin in the game? So I think references are, are key. Uh, and if you're new to it, um, this is going to be a gut check, but if you're new to it, you know, first of all, admit once you've hired a broker that, Hey, I'm new to this. I need, I need to. I need the babysitting Mm -hmm. Uh, and try to get that out of the person when you're interviewing before you hire them, you know, help, help me understand all the questions you asked me, you know, what do I need to know before I embark on this process with you, Mr. Broker? And if all the broker wants to do, this is their first coffee meeting with them is let's go see space. Let's go see space. You got to act on the space right now. Mm. You know, you got to do this deal now. Oh, something just came up. Let's go, let's go, let's go. If you're new to it, you might want to say, well, let me take a step back. Mm-hmm. Is this person ready to put in the time to teach me the process and to hold my hand through the process? Or are they just trying to get a, get a good deal? Yeah. That's funny. The, uh, the reverse was the, the case with us because I'm an impatient individual. So when we were ready to look at space, I wanted to go look at space Fair today. <laughs> let's op- open the doors. Let's look at it. And the brokers that we worked with were like, hold on a second. <laughs> let's sl- slow it down. Where are we wanting to go? What are the things that you're looking for? So I think it's great advice. It, it, the flip is the same. If if the broker is just ready to open up doors and show you space, then you probably are, are getting off on the wrong foot. And, and maybe, but maybe that's what you want. But also, listen, having some, some self-awareness is also key sure. because if you're pushing a broker and a broker's slowing you down, 
uh, you, it sounds like you figured it out. Well, may, maybe, maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe I should just sit back and listen. So a little self-awareness is, is, is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daryl, thank you very much for your time and information today. I think it was well-rounded, uh, lots of really good advice from all aspects and, and understanding where kind of the market is going. I, I guess if there was any type of a closing question, like what's the future of retail look like? I mean, things have gone so far online, uh, you know, everything can be delivered delivered to my doorstep, will retail just go away at some point? Well, that'll be a, we'll have to redo this in a couple of years, but I got to tell you, one of the things that we, for the past couple of decades have been, um, um, has really been bothering uh, I, I think us as a society in small towns is, you know, the big box retailers wiped out downtown or wiped out the small little, you know, neighborhood businesses. Uh, I would argue, uh, I've heard this argued and I kind of am jumping on the bandwagon. I would argue that, that the Amazon effect, the online effect is probably one of the best things that could have happened to small business owners that just want to open a thousand square feet and specialize in, I'm a runner in running shoes. Mm -hmm. The best thing that could happen to them is the internet because the internet doesn't provide the experience and the service that those small stores uh, can provide. Uh, and the, what we used to call the category killers, like the bed, bath and beyonds of the world, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the Dick sporting goods of the world. Um, you know, they're the ones that are much more susceptible mm-hmm. to the internet than the, the, the person who wants to open a small shop in small town America and just specialize in one or two things. So I think the bright side is we're going to see, continue to see more entrepreneurial businesses uh, that can marry a little bit of an online presence with a cool little store downtown or a cool little store in in whatever first floor of your apartment building. So the experience probably is more so a big factor, especially when you get into that niche environment, because it's all about the experience at that point. When the customer comes in to buy something, it's not just a transaction, it's the experience. Because if it's just a transaction, I can go online. Listen, it's and, and I know we're wrapping this up, so it's a little weedsy, but let me let me just let me let me take that one step further. It's about the experience. And if you can do, if you could have, you know, make it up again, we're running shoes, right? Uh, Hey, I've got all these running shoes. Let's try out. Let's figure it out. Oh wait, that's the, you know, I don't have your color. Well, of course I can have your color. I'm not Dick's Sporting Goods. I don't have every color, but I'll have you the color in 24, 48, 36 hours, whatever, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, We are now inclined to we, we've been trained through the internet that, oh, cool, I'll come in here, we'll make some decisions, and then in a day or two, it'll show up in my house. We're used to that, and that's the best thing that could happen to that service provider hmm. who's more than just a merchant yeah. trying to make money in the margins. Like Walmart's making their money in the margins, you know, stack them deep, sell them cheap. You're not that. You're a service provider that's teaching somebody about the product, mm. getting them to make the right purchase, and you can do that with a small store because of the internet. You couldn't do that 15, 20 years ago because the category killers out in the suburbs would have killed you. That's a great way to wrap this up. Yep. Thank you very much for your time. It's been a blast. Daryl, thanks again for joining us today. Man, it was uh, a blast to chat with you and learn a little bit more about retail. Uh, it's always been an, an interesting uh, conversation, an interesting topic to me, and I, I've I got a lot of interesting takeaways today. 
Again, if you want to get in contact with Daryl, you can uh, find out more on the links listed below and you'll be able to find his contact information. If this is your first time listening or watching, make sure you subscribe because we have a brand new episode out every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. and we don't want you to miss it. Thanks for joining us today. and We'll see you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast. Coffee Break.